0: Welcome to Love Games! We're here to shine new light on the games you love and the love in your games. I'm Lucy Morris.
1: And I'm Lauren Clinic.
0: And welcome back to Love Games after a short-ish hiatus. We are very apologetic about that because we managed to stick to two-week releases for pretty, pretty good amount of time, four episodes. So we're back regularly now and uh, life has kind of calmed down a bit play-by-play New Zealand's international games festival has just finished so I have my life back which I'm very happy about Uh, but we did actually have a lot of talk around sex and consent uh, at that festival because we had Lucy B talking from us from I think she's based in Sydney and her talk was amazing you'll be able to access it for free soon from our festival's YouTube channel which is play-by-play fest at YouTube so we'll tweet that when it's ready because her talk was great um, she did spill a, her glass of water on Navi's laptop, which we were <laughs> using to, to project the thing, but it was oh. handled really classily and with a palm, <gasps> and everyone and everything was okay. So it was a very exciting time. Oh, kudos but, to yeah. the team. <laughs> I know, no, it was great. And well, not the water, but like just the general like festival and having Lucy there. And we're delighted to be back with you beautiful so just a reminder on the format for
1: everybody so each week we'll talk about a game or a collection of games based on a theme and we'll explore in detail how they've handled love romance or sexuality in those games on special episodes we'll interview guests from the industry and in every episode at the end we tend to field questions and share discussions from our listeners at the end of the show We always like to start the show with Lucy and I sitting down in our respective countries with a beverage. Lucy lights a romantic (laughs) candle. So what have you got this week, Lucy?
0: Oh, I think it's a... I had a coconut sea salt one the other week. I don't actually know what this one is because I stole Elliot's candle. So it's, it's blue. It smells like blue. And I've got a glass of Chardonnay, which I was gifted by the lovely people at IPONZ, who I did a talk at last week. And they were like, do you want a red or a white? Like, there's no contest there. Like, always pick the white wine. It's the best wine.
1: Whereas I'm just the complete opposite and always red. So we should poll our (laughs) listeners to see who is always red and who is always white. Hmm, what have I got? I've got fancy apple fruit juice. I'm not feeling up to alcohol right now. So I've got high-end apple fruit juice, pink ladies only, 100% Australian. That sounds amazing. I'm ready for a rager. So the brand is Pressure Fruit, (laughs) Pressure Fruit Juice, and that is the high-end luxury fruit juice that I used to market for before my career in games.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. It came around in a circle really nicely. (laughs) It's still really good juice. I am drinking, um, it just says New Zealand wine, uh, Mm. so that's something, um, and it has pineapple, apricot, and honeysuckle notes, but really it just tastes like a big mess. Um, (laughs) there's only one wine I actually enjoy, and it's Pinot Gris, and Mm. I don't know anything about wine. When I buy wine, it's like, this label is funny, or this bottle looks cool, and it's a Pinot Gris, or like a rosé or something. That's the level of my knowledge, so I'm sorry, (laughs) everybody.
1: Dear international listeners, Australia and New Zealand actually has amazing wine. It does. You just don't want to listen to our opinions on it. Like We're not the ones to talk about.
0: We are not experts.
1: So wine is for adults, Lucy, but sex Mm -hmm. education is for everyone. And sex education is the theme for the show this week. So how have we decided to approach it?
0: That was just such a good segue. I'm really impressed. (laughs) So today we are talking about sex education in games, so if you've been listening to our previous episodes, we generally talk about just one game and address several issues within that or, or discussion points, but today we're going to talk about several games and just the concept of sex education within games as a whole. Um, it's kind of an interesting space, it's still quite abstract and like burgeoning, so there's some interesting conversations to be had there, we thought. So we're going to kick it off um, by being classic awkward, which this podcast is basically all about what you said. We're about 17% awkward on these episodes. (laughs) Today, we're going to try and aim for about 50% awkward. (laughs) I think that's a good bar to set ourselves. I believe in us. And so just a heads up for the episode today, we're talking
1: about sexual education. So in terms of what the sexual education that we've received Uh, we will maybe have some discussion around consent there shouldn't be too much hard-hitting or distressing content around sexuality that we go into none of the games that we that we're actually having a deep dive into go into anything non-consensual but just just a heads up in terms of the content for for this episode
0: you might not want to listen to this in your office without your headphones like don't listen to it on speakers that would be a bad idea (laughs)
1: <laughs> or maybe listen
0: to it with speakers on.
1: Maybe you have amazing colleagues and they love the, the awkward conversation around around sex education. But who even knows? We're, <laughs> we're not going to judge, but we will jump straight into the awkward by talking about our own personal experiences with sex education first.
0: Yes. So for me, carrying on from what we were talking about a little bit before we started recording, With regards to my parents, I never got sat down and explained everything methodically. I definitely was on the here have a manual side of it too. Um, (laughs) But I never got a a manual about sex. It was always about like puberty and just growing up. And sex happened to be like a kind of like, I don't know, supplemental chapter or something. That's just like a couple of pages. But sex education in New Zealand is pretty good at school. Um, I can't speak for any uh, schools of religious denomination because I went to public schools. But um, in our curriculum, we've got a lot of like different spheres of sex education that's taught, and it's taught from uh, pretty much year one onwards. So year one would be like obviously basic things like be nice on the playground and respect people's bodies and stuff like that. But as you get through school, like they get into puberty and um, contraception and talk about haora, which is um, kind of like the holistic approach that recognises that you know sex has social, mental, emotional and spiritual dimensions as well as physical dimensions, and that these are all interrelated, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it definitely still depends what kind of school you go to, um, but at least my experience was fairly good. Definitely not a lot to know queer sex ed in those curriculums, at least when I... I went to school a long time ago now, but... Yeah, it can definitely be better, but it wasn't awful. That is the thing. It would be
1: so interesting to see how sex education compares now because Lucy and I are, mm. are you know, we're not we're not super old. <laughs> we joke about us being nannas, but you know, it's we've been way more than I don't know what fifth. To 10, 10 plus years out of out of any kind of school education. <laughs> so, you know, we're a ways out, and the world changes at a at a breakneck pace. I mean, for me, my my school sex education was different because I went to religious private small schools. My my parents were similar in that it was like here's some books. We're not going to have really in-depth conversations. If we are going to have conversations, they're going to be so awkward, you're just going to have white noise (laughs) and you're going to block it out completely. So did not absorb anything practical because the whole thing was so awkward with any of the conversations with them. And then the religious school education, uh, it wasn't hardline abstinence, but it was definitely very, very sex negative. Like sex Mm. is a thing that can get you pregnant and sick and... All these bad things, mm. and then going to a high school that was all girls and religious. Uh, the the way a lot of it was phrased was almost like defensive. Like they talked a little bit. They didn't talk in depth about consent, but they talked about no is no, and then didn't go beyond didn't go beyond that. They didn't talk about how tricky consent could be. They didn't talk about. Um, you know, when alcohol's involved or feeling pressured for things, a lot of it was just about here are the STDs that you will get. And that is very likely if you have the sex and Ooh. if you have the sex, all these bad things. So oh boy. it was really sex negative. And then when I I mean, I think, Lucy, we were chatting about this and you mentioned a teacher that had a box that you had put questions <laughs> in and she had to respond to the questions, mm-hmm. which is awesome. We had something like that. And then me, a queer teenager, super freaked out, put a bunch of questions in that had to do with how do women have sex or what's the STD chances when there's two women having sex or whatever. And I like, you know, she just threw all of those out. Like none of that, none of that stuff got addressed. Um, So, well, even, yeah, it was like really bad. It's awful. Yeah, the high school was very bad for that. So it was basically like. Gay sex, I don't know. I guess it's bad. We're not going to talk about how to keep yourself safe. So, mm. yeah.
0: Negative!
1: I'm Super sorry negative. you had to
0: go through there. That's really sorry shitty. too.
1: Yeah, it was really shitty. But, I mean, I think research uh, suggests that, especially in Western developed countries, only 40% of kids self-report that school is where they learned about sex. Mm. Most kids, the majority of kids, say that they've learned about sex from their friends and from media and Mm. games falls under media Lucy and this is where the opportunity lies there could be sex ed games that are provided by schools or there could just be you know prevalence um, sex ed games that, that kids play you know at their own speed in their own time based on their own interests and that's the beautiful utopian future that I want but we're just not there yet Lucy are we
0: no and there's also the other sphere which I like you know learning about sex not from a game that's specifically about sex education but mm. from sexual elements within games that might be about a completely other topic and mm-hmm. you're just like oh that's interesting as a kid you're like mm, that's that's food for thought <laughs> <laughs> that's food for thought <laughs> a statement I
1: definitely said to my child self many times So, Lucy, did you have that experience? Did you end up experiencing some sexual content in games before you really knew much about sex?
0: Hmm, well, I was kind of a special case in the fact that um, I had pretty much free reign on the internet from a very early age because, oh. um, no, well, I guess, I guess a little bit. Like, <laughs> I definitely pushed the boundaries of what I was allowed to look at and I wasn't, like, heavily monitored or anything on the internet as well, which... I mean, we'll probably freak out any parents listening to this podcast, but I think that actually was a good thing because I could look at all these resources and look at all this information without like any sort of fear of being watched or judged mm. or anything like that. I think it was actually quite valuable. But you, obviously, you definitely have to make sure that you know you don't give out your details to anybody or you know, <laughs> general <laughs> internet safety rules. Good, mm-hmm. but definitely like elements of games such as. Like when the Sims first came out, like I played the shit out of the Sims, and mm-hmm. I loved the Sims one so much. And there's just something you know that is like naughty about woohoo and like the vibrating bed and stuff, and you're like, oh my <laughs> god, this is so naughty. Like you don't you don't exactly know why or like have any deep emotional understanding of like why it's naughty, but you're like, oh, I'm so badass. Like oh, I'm doing all these adult things. <laughs> so I think I think the Sims is probably one of my first like actual in game encounters because I wasn't allowed to play, like, you know, I wasn't allowed to get out, like, R18 games or anything. Mm. So. I have terrible Sims stories. Oh, um, no. (laughs) Please tell me all your Sims (laughs)
1: stories. So because the sex education that I received at junior school was so sex negative, me and my best friend at the time thought that sex was, like, a bad thing that stupid people did. So Mm. we were, like, if we hated someone, we would make them into characters in The Sims And make them boyfriend and girlfriend, but we'd actually give them very nice relationships because we wanted them to have sex with each other. And so Mm. we would say, you know, oh, yeah, you know. Sarah Smith is, is so crappy. We'll make her, like, look at her, her and her stupid boyfriend. They're in love and having sex. Yeah, so stupid. So I think we were saying, you know, they're so stupid and they're having sex. But actually, we were finding it really fascinating. Mm. And we were not being honest that we were finding it very, very interesting. Mm. And then The Sims had that that early, non-addressed, I think... What I've heard is that it was just a non-addressed bug or something that they didn't bother fixing. But you could have same-sex relationships even in The Sims really, really early, Mm. and that was like a brain thing for me. Like that game didn't didn't treat those couples differently. And, like, the other Sims Mm. didn't see two women kissing and get grossed out or get angry at them, like, as much as they would to to whoever else. So that was actually a pretty awesome thing. And in terms of sex education, it was not educating me about sex and how to do it, but Sims was actually showing me a little bit more about relationships because you'd have to make the Sims bond and people Mm. wouldn't just have sex with each other immediately, right?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say like obviously it's not like the primer to relationships, but it shows you like some elementary steps that you go through in like a generic relationship from point A to point B. Sometimes yes, so yeah. Sims
1: was almost a healthy model, <laughs> somewhat. It was somewhat of a of a positive <laughs> model for things. Um, a very bad example was um, Gangaroo Girl on oh Newgrounds, which a lot of people that are listening might have played if they're ever, a similar vintage to Lucy and I. I feel so- like
0: that Newgrounds <clears throat> might have been a platform of awakening for a lot of people because it was really a, a cesspool of this content around like the, <laughs> the early 2000s and like that was just when you know you and I were starting to like become mm. teens and like looking on the <laughs> internet and all that sort of stuff and you're like ooh, look at this treasure trove of like <laughs> things I'm probably not supposed to look at I'm going to play everything
1: <laughs> sounds amazing and for us it was just any interactive media if it had some game rules or it looked like a game or it was engaging then I would play it mm. so Gangaroo Girl came out in 2002 originally And so you can look it up. Ganguro is G-A-N-G-U-R-O girl. And and it was like a point and click semi-visual novel, really, really basic. And you're a guy and you're trying to make a quote unquote Japanese girl fall in love with you and have sex with her. Uh, To actually get any of the sexual content, you had to get really far in the game, grind a lot of stats. It was actually very hard. I don't think I successfully managed to completely have the sex with her I'm not super sure but I do remember trying very 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 hard (laughs) did you have a similar experience the commitment
0: the time commitment so Mm. when Lauren linked me this this game like I didn't immediately recognize the title I was like oh sounds kind of familiar and I opened up the Newgrounds like and I was like, yeah, I totally played this. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, like, just the fact that all of the stuff was online and so popular at that time, like, it's hard for people not to come across it, right? Yes. Um, I also remember not ending up having the sex with the girl, but investing, like, a stupid amount of time in it, because it's just, just egregiously hard. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and in
1: those days, I mean, the internet was just starting up, so... It was a low performance game and it was like, do I try and get my chugging internet to get me a guide to try and get my way through it? But as soon as I got the feeling playing that game that maybe it was promising me something about women and about sex that I didn't understand, Mm. it was immediately really, really compelling.
0: Mm. And I
1: think um, sexual, sexual media, when you don't know much about sex when you don't know why why it's interesting and compelling or why it's taboo it can have a really i don't know like a strong lizard brain kind of kind of an effect honestly and then it's fascinating and i remember that game so much because it was so strange and so difficult but so different from anything else that i'd experienced but you know straight up it's not a good game and there's a <laughs> real not. lack you know and we've just we've just been talking about this that there's such a lack of good Good games that are actually sexual for titillation, like for arousal and for sensuality and porn games, in my opinion so far, haven't found too many that are genuinely sexy and appealing. But, you know, yeah. your mileage may vary, but it's... especially on sex ed as well.
0: Yeah. it's really interesting because you see a lot of these games advertised on adult websites and like they spend a lot of money in like advertising these flash Mm. games but when you actually get to them there's not really anything to them maybe that's like specifically by design because people don't want to spend a lot of time playing something when they've got like a specific purpose in mind for this content but Mm. I do agree like there's a lot that can be done past like the the flash non-games that have been so prevalent so far and there's, there's a lot there that we can discuss on another episode about porn games, I guess. (laughs) Yes,
1: it should be really good. We'll do a porn game episode and it will get even more awkward.
0: Oh god, at least 70% awkward on that one, hopefully. (laughs) 70% (laughs) plus. But So
1: when we're talking about sex ed games, we're wanting a different outcome or a different player response and a player emotional experience than a porn game but what are some of the design challenges when it comes to a sex ed game, Lucy?
0: Yeah, I think I have a lot of thoughts on this. When you're making any sort of educational game, like gamification is a buzzword that people love to use and that I absolutely hate because it's just it's just an annoying buzzword that's ridiculous and you might hate me for that, that's okay, I have polarising opinions <laughs> um, but you have to make the game fun before putting the, the education in it and I think that's the best way to get, get people to learn through games. You have to have a solid mechanic and make them almost not realise that they're learning when they're playing through these games. If you just like slap a sex ed poster and like oh you've got to like play snake around this poster and you've got to read all these, I don't know but like that's obvious that you're just trying to attach like a random game mechanic to this thing and calling it a game that's educational when you're done it's kind of not how it works and I think good educational games are so so difficult to create because you have to make it engaging before you try to shovel information into people so I think that's where um, sex ed games are really challenged because it's something that people don't really want to Approach explicitly Like a lot of sexy games that we've Looked at don't generally put in Like you know graphic imagery Or anything um, Nothing like super specific they will try to approach it In an abstract way which is probably appropriate if you're trying to use these games for for younger younger individuals, but then you get the kind of like weird disconnect between design and game. Like, are they going to understand the correlation between these graphics and this these mechanics and sex ed? Like, and that's been kind of a recurring thing we've seen while we've been playing the games for this episode.
1: Yes, and there is this real awkwardness with a game that you want sex ed outcomes to be in. Especially if they're to be appropriate for children, you need to be very careful that they can't be interpreted to be designed for arousal. So, you mm-hmm. know, when you and I were in sex ed classes with people and we're putting condoms on bananas, would <laughs> would anyone have been aroused by that by that physical activity? I don't think so. Like it wasn't designed to be sexy, but you can't control people's responses to things but if someone makes some media and a school serves it to children and the parents could feel at all like this could be something that is you know dare dare they even say like arousing children or mm-hmm. something that will make the make a sexual activity among children increase which was the big concern about any sex education whatsoever factual or dry or whatsoever you know back in the back in the 40s and 50s and 60s and plus parents were worried that if children learned about sex, they would increase sexual activity. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, it's really difficult to design something um, to have it be fun before it's even educational and it's about sex, but it's not arousing. That's really hard. It's very difficult.
0: It is really difficult, and also like it's hard enough already for game developers to make games that have sexual content for adults, mm. like Asian and above. Like it's already difficult to find like pay providers for them to you know put them out on any sort of platform or to get exposure on them, and that's like the the okay audience that they're supposed to be intended for. If you're making a say a sexier game that's supposed to be educating younger individuals, you're bound like really strictly by laws like Copper, mm. um, which like kind of avoid any sort of game being targeted to children below 12 let alone like a game that might be t- to do with like these kind of taboo topics so I think that sexy games are kind of the nightmare mode of any kind of sex content in games it's really <laughs> difficult you've got so many things to watch out for um, because it's such a sensitive topic it's really easy to offend people and to get people's like hacks up I made a game like five years ago called bras and balls and it was a complete, there was nothing explicit in the game The name was a pun It was about <laughs> a mermaid that you had to build a bra for And you had to choose like what each cup was made of And what the straps were made of So you could choose like, sea urchin and lobster And like the straps are made out of seaweed or something and uh, it was a mobile game, and <laughs> it's still on the Google Play Store. Actually, like it's real bad. It. Don't don't go play it. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but I had like I had like these parents commenting on it. They're like, "How do you put a topless woman in a game?" And like, this is this is Ooh. completely unacceptable. And like, this title is just yeah. Anyway, um, there was nothing shown in the game, but just the fact it was about a piece of underwear that touches like a part of the body that we're not supposed mm. to like, you know, be open about is suddenly like all of this offense turns up and it's, it's just a really, really difficult topic. It's like running across a minefield, but it's an important minefield. <laughs> like
1: any media, I think as an industry, we, we would, I would really like us to approach creating sex ed game experiences that are appropriate for different age groups. Mm-hmm. So talking about, non-sexual consent and personal space and boundaries talking about you know the quote unquote birds and the bees facts about pregnancy facts about childbirth facts about gender and identity and you know sort of more holistic approaches and then Mm -hmm. maybe some more explicit consent-based interpersonal drugs and alcohol you know stis and things a little bit later but yeah we can't just make one awesome big long sex ed game that's going to be appropriate for all ages but just like any media we're going to have to have break it down to several different approaches for several different aspects for several different age groups so Mm -hmm. it's really hard and it's very underdeveloped and a big contributing factor to that does have to do with sex negativity Mm -hmm. does have to do with like heteronormativity and just like how many millions upon millions of dollars have been put into abstinence only sex education, especially in mm. the US, which is a huge, you know, that's a hotbed of, of game development. So the mm. game developers coming up in America probably had abstinence only sex education, like the majority of them probably experienced that because that's what public schools offered. Um, and so they weren't taught sex education well so they can't apply that to game design either it's just really hard i just yeah. can't
0: imagine that i can't imagine receiving that kind of education and like thinking like this is this is a thing like it's, it just seems so unreasonable I, you know i'm i'm glad that at least new zealand seems to have some sort of plan that involves you know actually telling people what happens in detail and how to protect yourself and protect your partner yes. i do think that there could have been a lot more resources on say consent and our... Mm. um In our curriculum, like, they played some videos to us which were about, like, you know, saying no to people and all that sort of stuff, but nothing, like, complex, nothing about, like, actually sleeping with someone and wanting to, like, say stop in the middle of it and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I do think that education has a lot of holes in it. Like you say, the knowledge of... um knowledge around sex and around pregnancy and contraception, just everything varies so wildly from, you know, young person to adult. I was super, like, misinformed about um, pregnancy until I was maybe, like, first or second year at university and I had like gone through all of this education I was like mega paranoid about everything I was like oh my god like this is this will ruin my life like I just and it made me also hate the concept of sex for a while because I was just like so scared about everything Mm. and that just largely stemmed from misinformation and not enough education about that and I think also games are an important medium for this because we should be more open about it we should talk more about it because if we talked more about it less people would feel afraid and paranoid and you know just that they're alone in this sort of situation when really it's something that pretty much all of us deal with um on on a wide spectrum and the more media we have about it the more chances we have to to have a discussion (laughs)
1: Absolutely. And talking about New Zealand, one of the games we want to talk about has been made by a New Zealander, Lucy.
0: Yes. Oh, I'm so excited about this. So the first game we're going to Mm. talk about is called All Yetis Are Sexy. And you can download this from itch.io. It's made by a studio called Gamaki Studio. G-A-M-A-K-I. And what's heckin' cool about this, I'm really, I'm really excited. So I found this developer by chance on Twitter, and I can't remember how, but stumbled across her profile. So this game is designed by Kim Aerosmith, and she's not only a game developer, but she's also a registered New Zealand nurse, and uh, she's been a registered nurse for eight years working in both primary and tertiary healthcare, and she currently works in a paediatric community nurse role um, assessing children for health development and behaviour. So she's coming to this game with all of this amazing uh, knowledge behind her and this experience. And the fact that she also has time to make games is just like, you're a hero! Like, I really want to meet her.
1: <laughs> so fucking cool, Kim. Good on you.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're great. Um, so all you are are sexy. It's um, obviously aimed at a younger demographic it's a very abstract game so you play as a big hulking yeti and you get put in a little pen with all these berries that are running around and you're, you have these berries, there's one berry that like looks a bit sick and it doesn't have a hat on <laughs> and all of the other berries have these nice woolly hats on And when the berries run into each other, they fall over and their hats come off. So your job as a yeti is to throw the hats at these berries and make sure that everybody has hats on, otherwise... If they don't have hats on, the sick berry will spread the sickness to the other berries. And obviously this is a euphemism for transmission of sexual diseases. So I thought it was quite cool. I played it for quite a bit. What did, what did you think, Lauren? Did you give it a go? I thought it was really,
1: really sweet. So the the graphics are really cute. The controls are really fun. It's got a really simple principle and you can just go for it. It's definitely for a younger audience than us. It's not, it's not going to teach Lucy and I anything new, but I think it's really good... <laughs> a really good game for kids to play and then have a conversation about. Mm -hmm. Um, It is really good to help people understand things like, when you've used a condom once, you can't reuse it, which is something that a lot of people go way too long without realizing. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely limited and it's exploring one really simple thing, but no, it's, it's a really, really, it's a really good game. It, It performs really well. It explores a really simple principle. So definitely thumbs up from me and it's free.
0: Current awkward level, 35%. <laughs> yeah, it's free, um, and it's very well put together. It's got a nice interface, which I always appreciate. And I'm just really excited to see Kim make more things, especially around this topic. I remember seeing uh, that she made this in her bio, and it's was just like, oh, my God, we must meet up and talk about sex education and games. This is so cool. So I hope that she keeps doing what she's doing, because... These resources are really important, and she's making a big difference. So thank you, Kim. You're awesome. Thank you,
1: Kim. So actually going on the STI theme a little bit further, for a game that is for a slightly more mature audience... I completely forgot that I made a sex ed game. So
0: (laughs) I thought we were going to talk about that. I totally forgot.
1: I completely forgot, which is very funny. Um, So (laughs) earlier this year when I was at the Heartbeat Symposium in Byron that my beautiful business wife Katie helped run uh, up in Queensland, I was in a game jam team that included the fantastic Lucy B that was at the play by play conference, who's an independent sex worker and so us and a few other fantastic um, heart bunnies was our team. We made a game called UFO STI WTF. Um, it's a game about aliens needing STI checkups. So it's a really simple visual novel browser game. It's got really, really, really silly humor about an alien going to have their first STI test um, with humans. And there's just awkwardness with the human doctor and things like that. So. It's designed for an older audience. It has tongue-in-cheek humor, um, silly mini games about swiping the the eye in your alien anus, and it's just about like you know, getting STI checks might feel really really awkward, but it's never the end of the world. Um, you know, you, it makes you feel like a bit of an alien, but it's actually completely fine, and it's an important thing to do. And once you've played the game, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information about STIs and how you can start getting tested, and basically just you know, push through the awkward, put yourself out there and get checked because that's good for you. And it's it's good for everybody um, that's in your life. So that was a really, really great um, game jam experience. The game we made was really fun and got coverage on Kotaku and things like that. So nice. huge ups to the rest of my team for helping us make that game. And that's been the first um, sex ed game that we've made. So for an older audience, then um, it all yetis are sexy, but we had a good time
0: so where can people find UFO STI what the fuck if they want to play it if you just look up that amazing acronym <laughs>
1: of UFO STI WTf game or like alien STI game maybe it will come up but um yeah it's just a short visual novel browser game so easy to click through and play beautiful art by B um, yeah so yeah check it out check it out simple simple and fun but I, I guess I would classify that as somewhat of a sex education game. It's more of a destigmatizing game, really.
0: It's really cool, and you should definitely pick that up if you're listening and give it a quick go. It's not going to take a lot of your time, and it's made by some heckin' cool people. So oh, yeah. there you go. Oh, yeah. And I think we're at awkward level like 41% now because I'm not <laughs> sure if I was supposed to say what the fuck instead of WTF, <laughs> so now I've just ruined everything. all, right. we all the time. It's, it's <laughs>
1: totally fucking normal. It's no problem. <laughs>
0: That, that's true, and this is definitely not not an All Ages podcast anyway, so that's alright. <laughs> um, the next game, or set of games that we want to talk about, is uh, Robert Yang's work, and specifically Hurt Me Plenty. Uh, he's also done some amazing... He's done like a whole range of games around sexuality that are really, really good. And back when I was a university lecturer in game studies, I taught a module about sex and games. And for one of our tutorials every year, I would make uh, students play Stick Shift because I thought it was a really important experience. And I'm not going to spoil it because we're not going to talk about it this episode. <laughs> but you should definitely go look up Stick Shift. Oh, I think it's on itch.io and give it a go because... It's, I think it's an important experience if you're at all interested about um, sex in games. Hell yes. I mean, Robert Yang's work explores
1: different, um, different elements of kind of like gay sex culture. Um, mm. So Hurt Me Plenty is, is really good. Uh, it's a short game where you spank a guy. And in terms of sex education, it's useful for consent. Um, Mm. So not just in terms of BDSM, but actually um, consent and caring and checking in with your partner and really listening to what they're saying. So when you're spanking this dude, you um, are sort of listening to what he's saying. Do his noises sound really good? Is he saying stop? If he does say stop or if you're going too hard, if you keep going, the game actually kicks you out and you actually can't play it again for several days. Um, you actually really, you know, get, get uh, kicked out of the game, which is really, really good. Uh, so not only is it a good, you know, slight introduction to some elements of, of kink, but it is really good for consent and, like, continual communication. So really yeah.
0: good. and it's interesting because the game starts out... As, like, a consent um, conversation between mm-hmm. you and your partner. So, you, the, I think it opens to a poster that says all interactions have to be negotiated or mm-hmm. like consented to or something. And then you like shake this partner's hand, and the, you know, you're both agreeing to something, you agree on what your partner will be wearing and um, what the safe word is and the intensity of the action that you're about to take together. And I think that was really interesting as a concept. Um, I'm not sure how shaking the hand, because like this was, this game was originally designed for leap motion. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that don't know what leap motion is, it's a small peripheral that um, you put on top of a desk and you put your hands above it and it tracks hand movement. And so this game was actually supposed to be played um, best with, like, using your hands in an actual physical sense. So it's diegetic in that way. And, yeah, like, you, you'll you physically shake this person's hand if you're using the leap motion. And you'll be physically spanking this person if you're using the leap motion. And that use of periphery was really um, interesting and creative to kind of, like, emphasize this point. I would love to try playing it with the leap motion. And it's just really
1: interesting to me tying into the larger conversation around VR, which we're not going into right now. Mm. But with VR games and VR sex games and potential VR sex education games, the feeling of vulnerability and embarrassment to be playing those games in VR, especially if you're around other people. And it just really gets to me how embarrassed and how hesitant i would be to spank a dude's butt in front of other people in a game Mm. world with elite motion but i actually don't hesitate to kill someone with a fake gun in a game like i've got no shame or hesitation to do that but i'd feel really embarrassed and self-conscious about doing something for pleasure
0: yeah in a game
1: it's just it's really interesting
0: yeah, I've noticed that, like, especially when I made all my students play stick shift. Like obviously like when I was teaching these things, like mm. if the students were uncomfortable, they didn't have to like participate in the tutorial. But just seeing like how uncomfortable that kind of content made them was really interesting because like for all the reasons you mentioned, like mm. violence is so normalized, but the prospect of like someone being like aroused by something or mm. like having like some sort of you know, sexual thoughts um within the game's geometry was quite like a new concept to them and Mm. like some treat it as a joke some were like oh that was a really interesting experience and at least it started some conversations around like why this game was designed the way it was and I mean that's that's the start of it I guess the start of the change (laughs)
1: absolutely and when you look at Robert Yang's games because a lot of them are um, they're evocative or there is a lot of euphemism to them. They can get played on YouTube because they're not strictly porn games um, for a lot of them, except for Cobra Club, which is literally like customizing your own dick, and it's amazing. <laughs> um, but when you're looking at, uh, you know, YouTubers or streamers playing Hurt Me Plenty, um, but not on Twitch because all, all of his games are banned on Twitch, mm. but um, Hurt Me Plenty on YouTube, you see a lot of like – bombastic macho YouTubers being like, we're going to do this gay spanking game, blah, blah, blah. And then they actually are like, uh, you know, they actually have to concentrate to try and actually get the right outcome and they actually end up learning something and they're not laughing about it as much at the end. And then I'm like, yes, slowly, (laughs) slowly getting to them.
0: Yeah. Um, also, the way, like you mentioned before, the game kind of kicks you out if you go too far. Yeah. Often, sex and games is treated as you know, like the player is entitled to everything, and yeah. you know, you you'll take you'll take everything from this person. They're just merely an object for yeah. your desires, but. Getting kicked out and having actual consequences for your actions and how you treat someone in that level. It's not, oh, you shot someone and like the game is quitting you out. It's like, oh, you treated someone negatively in a sexual sense and the game's kicking you out. And I think that's a very different sense that a player is getting that's not been done before, really. Um, you don't get punished for your actions in games uh, with regards to treating a partner wrong sexually. So I think this is a really important thing to do and Just broaching new ground with Mm. these topics.
1: Yeah, it's really, really fascinating. I mean, in games, a lot of people's experience of sexual content in games is sex starts to happen and then it's just a cutscene, and you're no longer actually present or active or active in it at all. Mm. Whereas in life, you don't just go, cool, we're having sex and then (laughs) you become totally (laughs) passive kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's really really interesting in that way. Um, sex is very different to the ways that we've managed to explore it so far in games, um, and sex education is is different too. I mean, everybody's sex education is like a million tiny threads braided together to try mm. and feel your way through something, and we've all come through with a basket full of different different insights. But I think mm. if there could be better um, sex ed games, we could our buckets could be full of better things by the time we get through the other side.
0: And maybe, like, definitely having sex ed games be better, also mm. having, like, the treatment of sex in general in all games would mm. contribute to a better understanding of sex as a whole because we play so many games and we consume that media so often. Sexuality is, like, obviously quite a strong theme in a lot mm. of games. We should be treating it realistically, at least in some instance. But if people are playing this media already, like, you know, educating them about it mm. can't hurt, right? <laughs> yes, Absolutely.
1: So one last game we might just briefly mention that r- like rings quite true to our own attempts to understand sex as youngins <laughs> <laughs> is also um, How Do You Do It by Nina Freeman. How would you describe this one, Lucy? Is it a sex ed game?
0: I think, um, I'm not sure actually. It seems more like a vignette about mm. um, how someone experiences mm-hmm. their perception of sex growing up when it's not necessarily a, an open topic, mm-hmm. maybe. Because the game is about a girl's mum goes off to, you know, get groceries or do an errand or something. It's been a while since I played it, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, I've got this time alone to myself. I'm gonna like do this thing." And she gets Lady Barbie and a Dude Barbie, and she just like you just mash them together, and that's the whole game—just like mash them together. It's the same thing as I mentioned before. You're like, "Oh, this is kind of naughty. I don't know why, but like I'm not supposed <laughs> to do this," and I was like really secretive. And then after you've mashed them together a bit, your mum comes home. And then it, I think it ends with a screen saying, you you did sex like 302 times or something. <laughs> uh-huh. And <laughs> I think, I'm, I don't know if it says exactly that. It might be like, you maybe did sex. I can't remember. But it's a good um, interpretation of how we kind of fumble through these things as kids and we're like, oh, I don't really know if this is OK, but like, you know, I'm experimenting and I'm probably not supposed to do this. But it's a good um, encapsulation of those feelings, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it probably falls more under that category of destigmatizing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like a personal vignette um, destigmatizing kind of a game um, as well. Mm-hmm. But I do really appreciate it because... It's the kind of thing that once you describe that, everyone's like, "Yeah, I definitely tried to like make my teddy bears have sex once I had even the vag- vaguest idea about how these things were happening, um, or what it what it even vaguely included." So
0: yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good game because it's a very normal part of growing up and a lot of people's experiences. So it was just very relatable and also very funny. I appreciate some humor in my games. So. Super cute. Yeah. So
1: before we go on to a question, the other um, honorable mention I wanted to give was also to dysphoria by Anna Anthropy as well so it's dysphoria d y s the number four i a i'm not sure where it's available to be played online now because i think uh, it used to be on new grounds but it's it's been taken down or she's taken it down to sell it elsewhere but that was a really really good game um, not necessarily education around sexual intercourse but a really good a really good, um, again, vignette personal game that went into gender identity and sexuality um, and, and those elements of the wider family of sex education. And that's a really, really good game
0: as well. Mm. Beautiful. Nice. Question So time. we have, yeah, question time. We've got a question from at Kitsubasa on Twitter, and they ask, Given the limited availability of queer sex ed, even relative to normal sex ed, how do you think queer sex games should handle the burden of potentially becoming a queer person's primary or initial source of sex ed? Hmm, interesting question. This is a good question.
1: Mm, mm. There's a lot of layers. Um, to start to jump into it, I feel like games that have sexual content should realise that their sexual games could be used for the purposes of sexual education. Mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean just queer sex games. So if you have a game that has sexual content, especially if any of it um, is a little bit taboo or involves any kind of edge play or, you know, is you know, consensual non-consent or anything that might be, it might be a little bit hard hitting. Uh, you might, you'd want to have content warnings and you'd want to mm-hmm. have, if you can having consent be an actual gestural thing that the player can choose and having choices for players to not see sexual content um, if they don't want to those are just kind of responsible choices but I do think that all sexual games should be aware that they could be used for the purposes of sexual education so be very careful with what you're saying or what you're what you're implying or what you're what you're condoning or what someone might take away from it if that makes sense I mean, I think uh, handling the burden is very difficult, like hopefully as we have more queer media and queer games in general, there'll be queer games, there'll be queer games that incidentally have sex in them. So I think um, showing healthy relationships, showing consensual relationships, prioritizing Prioritizing a degree of realism, even if you are, you know, in Dragon Age, for example, um, is a really good way to go about it. And if you are showing anything that is strictly, strictly kink, strictly fantasy, or, you know, it is a little bit more hard hitting or, or edgy or something that, you know, can't be safely done or needs a lot of needs a lot of aftercare or needs a lot of interpersonal safety and boundary setting before hopping into it. I think being really aware with content warnings and things like that, and just being willing to talk to your own community as well. And that, you know, if you did release a queer sex game or a game that had queer sex in it, people are going to have questions about it. You will end up getting people emailing you about it. It will mean a lot to people that you've included those things in your game. So just be ready to be ready to do a little bit of extra emotional labor for your players as well, I would say. So really tricky, really tricky. Yeah. Please, more more queer sex, more queer games, you know, all over.
0: And just the exposure of these relationships and not even just in the queer space but also in mm. relation to say kink um, showing people that this is a thing that exists and that it's okay to be exposed to these things and it's normal is I think just an important thing within itself so please keep creating this diverse content because someone might see something in a game, like they see it in like a movie or a book or like, a TV show and they're like, oh, like this this is normal for all, like, I'm mm. not alone and mm. I think that's really important and it's something that's changing quite quickly in games
1: that's exactly it. And even letting your players know that it's it doesn't mean that they are gay if they are interested in being a part of a gay relationship in a game. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, it's it's not saying something about yourself if you do click through and you're having some kind of an experience in a game. The, your, the player character is not necessarily you. What you're doing in a game is not necessarily what you want to do as a person. Like, a game is a safe space to explore curiosities or... Um, You know, just it it could help you find something really important about yourself, but it could also just be a way to explore something different, understand something about someone else. So don't panic. (laughs) Don't panic or be afraid to try something you've never tried before or something that you're worried about. A really good thing about games is that you can safely explore things without hurting someone else and without Mm. hurting yourself.
0: (laughs) Always good. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think that this is about all we have time for. We might need to wrap it up. And that's not a sex ed pun, but now I feel like it is. <laughs> okay, awkwardness level is now 50%. Zoom. We've reached it. It's fine. <laughs> ding, 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 Awesome. So, like Lauren mentioned at the start of the podcast, we're going to go back to, uh, I was going to say bi weekly, but there's like this whole thing about like how many times, like a month that is. <laughs> Every two weeks, we're going to release an episode mm-hmm. again. Um, and we've got some pretty neat guests start to be lined up for our future episodes, so we'll start to get some of these amazing interviews that we've talked so much about out to you on the airwaves pretty soon. Beautiful, beautiful. And thank you so much again, Lucy, for bathing (laughs) in the awkward with me. Oh, thank you. Sharing weird
1: sex (laughs) experiences. Uh, It's always an absolute pleasure. (laughs) Uh, You can always hit us up um, on the internet at Love Games Cast on Twitter. Uh, We'd love to hear what you've been enjoying from the episode so far. If you've got more curiosities to do with sex education or anything we've discussed, please let
0: us know. You should also share your stories of what the first sexual content you encountered in games was. Was it on Newgrounds? Was it The Sims? Who knows? (laughs) We want to know if you're willing to share it with us.
1: Sounds good. Well, thanks, everyone, and catch you next time. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye, beans.